want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. Dad, welcome back to another edition of the show. It is the Ides of March. It is the beginning of March. Welcome. Thank you so much for once again finding me, whether it was on any streaming service that offers podcasts, or perhaps you found me on HighPodOnDad.com. Anywhere you are, like, subscribe, uh, bookmark, give a you know a like, give a hoot, don't pollute. Remember that guy? Yeah, do that. Whatever it is you're supposed to do, go ahead and do it. I really do appreciate it, uh, and all your support here on HighPodOnDad. Dot com as well as highblogomdad.com, my blog twice a week, Monday, Wednesday. Thank you for all the support you guys have given me through the years. It's been a crazy week or two, man. I was off last week. My kids had spring break, so I took a bit of a break. Or winter recess, is it? No, it's not spring break yet. It's winter recess because we're not in spring. But yeah, it was a week off. Whatever it was, it was it was nuts. <laughs> Whenever the kids are off from school, I feel like you don't know what day it is. Um, I once read this thing about, you know, when it comes to the end of December, like from the 24th, 25th is Christmas. And then from the 26th until the 31st, it's uh, confusion, don't know what day it is, and full of cheese. And that's kind of what it feels like when you have these winter break things. So I didn't get to do an audio last week, um, but I'm back this week. A lot going on, man. I, I got a tattoo uh, I guess none, this would make it number know, seven, I think, at this point. It was one that I've wanted to have for a while. As you guys know, I had a quintuple bypass in 2012. I have wanted to have this tattoo for a while. A uh, chest tattoo, which I never thought I would get right above my heart, EKG, and the date of my heart surgery. So that was exciting. They don't hurt like they used to. My first tattoo was my first year of, of college. It was you know mid to late 90s, and it hurt like hell. The kind of thing where like anyone touches you, like my arms, I got both my arms done. And if somebody came over and put their hand on my arm, I would drop to the ground in pain. This one, nothing, nada, just was what it was. I mean, it feels the same when it's being done. You kind of get that feeling when you first start getting the tattoo, you grit your teeth, you clench your fist. Um, and I don't know, man, kind of that sadomasochistic part of you comes out where you're just like, yeah, come on, come on, I deserve this. And grit your teeth and get through it. So that's what I did here. But it was it was a good process and it was nice. And I don't know, I always like doing that. It reminds me of different times of my life. You know, the ones on my wrist. Uh, you know, I have my kids' initials on my wrist and, and both sides of a yin-yang. I love that one. Uh, got all sorts of different tattoos. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Things like that always put a smile on my face. I've been kicking around the idea of doing this for a while. It took like, you know, 45 minutes. It was in and out, pretty awesome. Nothing like this place. Uh, South Shore Tattoo. Thank you. Happy with it. Yeah. Crazy week, man. I did two blogs this week. Both of them about my son, Lucas. Uh, Both of them are things that I found, you know, through comments 
on Facebook and on different social media that people did relate to. If you had a chance to check it out again, highblogomdad.com. The one on Monday was no pity party parenting for my special needs child. And this is something I've talked about before, something that means a lot to me. One of the reasons I began this blog to begin with back in 2017. And it's that a lot of times you read blogs about special needs parenting, and a lot of them focus on uh, the sadness of it, but almost to the point where it's evoking a sense of pity and sympathy, which is not what I want. I don't want pity and I don't want sympathy for me and my son. My son's a great kid. My son does a lot of great things. And while there's definitely going to be times in our lives where we need a certain amount of understanding from friends, whether it's, you know, being late to a party or whether it's, you know, him processing something or having a hard time with something. We do appreciate that sense of understanding from others, but I don't want pity. And I told a story about one time seeing a mother with a special needs child who was trying to make her own kid's birthday party into a pity party for herself, pretending like it was so hard for her to be at this party because her kid wasn't making these milestone advancements. But one of the problems was that the kid was, you know, like six years old. That's something when they're one, when they're two, when they're three, and you're learning these things and you're coming to grips with the, with the diagnosis. Everybody goes through it. I went through it early on when they're toddlers and you're still worried. What is my kid going to be like? I don't know who this kid's going to be. But then eventually they become kids and their personalities develop. And if you're still struggling with that, then it's not about your kid anymore. And now it's about you. You go from, you know, not knowing what your child is going to be like to not accepting the child that you have. And when it came to my son early on, I was worried. But then eventually I accepted him and I realized that, I don't know, he was a pretty cool kid and I'm glad that he's my son and I'm lucky that he's here. And the more I get to know him and the more that we experience together, the happier I am uh, as his dad. And I don't know, it gets under my skin when people act like that because it's, you know, these children, these people with special needs or with autism. My son has severe autism. So when I talk about autism, I'm not talking about, you know, mild autism or Asperger's or, or somebody who can somewhat even stand up for himself. My son is, he's helpless in many ways when it comes to that. He doesn't understand sarcasm. He doesn't understand a lot of things like that. So it bothers me when somebody will use a kid like that as almost like a tool to get sympathy and, and sadness from others. And one of my superpowers, <laughs> I don't talk about superpowers a lot, uh, being the parent to a child with special needs, as some people like to do. Uh, but one of the superpowers to being in a position like this is that other parents who have special needs children, they're almost um, immune to criticism from those who don't. People are afraid to say something to them. I compared it to somebody with a, with a terminally ill family member who spends the whole day complaining about taking care of this terminally ill family member. If you don't have a terminally ill family member, you will let them complain to you. And you'll accept it, and you'll think to yourself, this poor guy, he's got to deal with this sick you know, grandma or whatever it is. But if you find somebody else who has a terminally ill family member, they can walk over to that person and be like, dude, what are you doing? Stop complaining about your grandmother and, and take care of her. I, I deal with it too. Grow up, you know? And I feel like that's what I can do when it comes to other special needs parents. I deal with these things with my son. A lot of the things that are hard for other parents, I get it. I get the harsh realities sometimes that come through. I get the worry and the guilt and the things like that. But at the end of the day, you know, 
you made a child, you brought them into the world, you're taking care of this kid. No one should feel bad for you for your kid. Don't do that. Don't do that to them. Don't do that to yourself. Bothers me. So I want to write about that. And I also think too that, you know, personalities like that make it very hard for bloggers to even get to talk. Like I blog about my kid. My kid has special needs, but I still run into, you know, pushback from people because they're so ready to be offended from a parent blogging about their special needs child because they're used to reading things from people looking for sympathy and looking for sadness. And it's not right. It's not, uh, it's not something that should be done. So I wanted to speak out against that. And I was really happy that I had a chance to. It's a topic I've kind of covered before. Uh, I always try to find a different angle every time I go into things. So that's one of the things that I did. Uh, we had some great comments from people too. If you had a chance, definitely go on there uh, onto Facebook where most of the public comments are. I get emails from you guys too. It always means a lot to read what you guys think. Now on Wednesday, I wrote one called My Son with Autism Might Hate Your Party. But please invite us anyway. And it's pretty much about uh, how my son has evolved through the years in terms of social situations. He's gotten better. We have issues, don't get me wrong, but there used to be a time where it was terrible to bring him to parties. He would throw himself onto platters of food and he would have meltdowns and we'd have to leave and he wouldn't sit down at the table and it was really harsh and you would get the looks from people and you would get the responses from people. But through the years, he's gotten better and better and better and I credit it to repetition. He's not fantastic. There might be times now where he'll go to a party and hate it, but we're starting to have more and more where he can kind of get through them and I'm proud of him for it. And that's why this blog was about, look, I, I get it. I get that sometimes people see him at his worst, which always makes me feel terrible for him, especially. I hate, I hate when he has meltdowns in front of people, not out of embarrassment. I think enough is known about autism and enough is seen in terms of how I, as his father, you know, try to calm him down with people. People know I don't just let him run amok. I don't let him just throw fits and interrupt people. I'm always trying to help him. What makes me sad about my son having meltdowns in front of people is that I don't want people seeing him at his worst. I don't want people seeing me at my worst. If I'm having a breakdown, I don't want people around me. And I know he doesn't either. And plus, I know how he's feeling. And I talked about that in this in this blog. I talk about times where he threw himself at plates of food and he's on the floor crying and just kind of having to deal with it and watch him and just think to myself, how sad is this for this kid that he's got to deal with this emotional overload in front of this crowd of people? So I think to myself, like these people see him at his worst. I know how great he could possibly be behind closed doors, sometimes in front of them as well. And that's why them continuing to invite us, continuing to make him a part of, you know, of the day means a lot. And that goes for anything with Lucas, man. Like people who say hello to him, sometimes people don't say hello. I used to hate that. They walk over, how you doing? Good. And he's sitting right next to me. And it's like he's not even there. They treat him like furniture. And he might not say hello back. In fact, chances are until recently when I can really get him to do it, say hi, say hi, he'll give you like a half-assed wave. <laughs> you know, he doesn't really, he's like, whatever. He's like, hey, you know. Um, to me, it's always been something with my son that I learned. You don't say hello to get a hello back. And it's taught me a lot about the world. You say hello because it's the right thing to do. You say hi because he's a person and he's there in front of you. You don't ignore him. Um, you don't do things with my son expecting a return on them. You do them because you're supposed to do them. And that's, that's part of his charm. That's part of what he's taught me about the world. And it's part of the thing that makes his personality to me so beautiful in that it's such a pure, he has such a pure approach to the world, but he also teaches people, teaches me things about myself and how I should be with the world around me. So yeah, please invite us to the parties. It's kind of a big deal. 
So yeah, I love both of these blog posts this week. I always love being able to write about my son, and I really appreciate the fact that I'm able to do that. Uh, it meant a lot to me this week. Both of these blog posts, near and dear to my heart. So thank you for checking them out. Thank you for reading them. And I got to tell you, when I talk about these parties and the amount of time that has passed, I feel very old. Um, but there's a couple of things that make me feel old. And as you guys know, every week we do a segment called You Want to Feel Old. So let's do that segment. In my day, we had radio, and you couldn't see anything, and it was primitive and lousy, and we liked it. This one is short and sweet. Here is something that I realized while I was um, thinking about what I would say for this being old segment that always pops up. And I throughout the week, I have things that happen that make me feel old. But here's the one that got me. I was listening to something on the radio. And in my head, I heard this old radio voice that used to say, playing the best hits of the 80s, 90s, and today. And I remember that. That was always the go-to. It's whatever I think when, uh, you know, when I'm listening to radio promos. And suddenly I realized that I don't think they say that anymore <laughs> because uh, that was something they said in the early 2000s because that was today. It was 80s, 90s, and today. Um, and now the 80s and 90s are like, 30 and 40 years ago, so nobody does that anymore. That would be as if we were in the you know the 1980s and they were like, playing the hits of the 40s, 50s, and today. Nobody did that. Uh, so that is definitely something that made me feel old. And it kind of hit me upside the head. Suddenly I realized that you know the year 2000 is nostalgia, 20-year-old nostalgia. I see the pictures of, you know, they're going to make that 90s show, which is the update to that 70s show. And I thought, oh my God. That 90s show. The 90s still feels like it just happened, you know? Maybe not the early 90s. I was a kid then. I feel like 93, 92. Feels like a long time ago. But 98, 99, Jerry Springer, WWF Attitude. It's crazy. So, yeah, that made me feel old. 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and today. We're like three three decades away from that stuff. So, yeah, that'll make you feel old. Make you completely lose your sanity. Bing, bing. Another segue. Here you go. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. Let's talk about sanity. I'll tell you guys something that brings me a bit of sanity. Um, that's music. I know it sounds so basic. Usually with these, I like to tell you guys stories and talk about different things. But as I'm getting older, I'm realizing more and more how much music I listen to, how much meaning I find in different songs. Um, I almost have a soundtrack for every aspect of my life. There's certain songs and singers that when they come on, I'm immediately transported back to whether it was you know years ago or whatever, to the point where I want to invite as much music into my home as I can. I went out and I bought a keyboard on a stand, a, a musical like Casio, maybe a Yamaha. I got it on, on Facebook Marketplace. It's beautiful. It's a light-up keyboard that the keys light up. And it almost teaches you how to play. I've never, I've never learned how to play piano. I've never learned how to play a keyboard. And I always wanted to because as a kid, I took saxophone, I took trumpet, took drums, took all these things. And one of the things they don't tell you about, you know, uh, wind instruments, is that the right way to put it? No, mouth instruments, that sounds weird. But like anything that you have to use your mouth on hurts. Man, trumpets, you got to go the whole time. Ugh. 
Saxophones, saxophones, I think, are the reason why I don't like to use metal utensils. You have to put this wooden reed against the top of your teeth, and you have to hum and vibrate your mouth. And it was, without a doubt, the most hellacious and difficult thing I had to do. I hated it. I'm like, who can play a song on this thing? I feel like I want to cry the whole time. Pianos, and well, even guitar too, I should say, because I also have guitars. I've learned some things with guitar. We have a couple of them here. Um, you have to build up this like callus on your finger, so that hurts. Everything hurts. Pianos are, are hard to remember where your fingers go, maybe stretch them out a little bits of pain, but for the most part, it doesn't cause physical pain. It's just a matter of learning it. So I always wanted one. So I invited it into the house. I, I invited this music into the house. I bought the keyboard. And the best thing is that even my son, who was one of the main reasons I got it, he seems to like it as much as he could like anything new like that. Like I have him do it. He does it to appease me, but he seems to enjoy it too. So I'm very happy about, about having that in the house. It does... Uh, I think it does a lot. It makes me smile. But the funny thing about playlists and the funny things about these songs that become our soundtracks is that I got Spotify hmm, last year, 20, no, not last year, the year before. No, yeah, the year before last. And I started making playlists, right? So I had made a playlist for myself, uh, which is my initial J, you know. And I started putting all the songs that I liked at the time. That's what I was doing. Not even songs that... You know, I remembered from my childhood, I have a 90s playlist that I made and things like that. But this was a playlist of anything I came across that really spoke to me in that moment. And I listen to these songs now from that time period, which was a tumultuous time period. And I hear these, I used to always joke that I sounded like one of these like club girls that was just had enough. <laughs> all my songs were like that. They were just like, I'm going to go party tonight. I've had enough. Those were all the songs. They were all very angry women yelling at somebody and they spoke to me and now this year i've made a new one and i started realizing from the beginning of the year that they're all uplifting and they're all about starting fresh and doing new things and believing in yourself and all these different things that are positive and it's not something i did by design or by choice it's just something that happened and I got to tell you, if you want to get a view over where your life is going and how you feel and actually feel better about certain things, do this. Keep a playlist of songs that speak to you in the moment as you're living your life and then go back and look through them and see where you are now. And I got to tell you, just based on playlists alone, I think I'm doing pretty good and I'm happy about that. So yeah, music, it's my moment of sanity and that's one to grow on. <laughs> Whatever. Guys, thank you for being here this week for the podcast. I'm so glad to be back. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to speak to you and to get these things out and really just, I don't know, just talk. Thank you. That does it for me. I'll be back on Friday. I'll be back with blogs next week. James Gutman, be well. Bye, Bob. I'm Dad. <laughs>